But let's just ask God to bless them service today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for a beautiful day you've given us. And Father, we do pray for the Glenn family right now, Lord. We ask you to take care of them. Watch over them. Give them your blessings today and we'll praise you for it. Now bless us here as we study thy word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, If you would please turn to the book of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, and I want to just uh, read a few verses there. I was talking to a man just day before yesterday, I believe it was, and he was telling me about his church he's going to, and he said, you wouldn't recognize it now, preacher. Uh, They're not even doing the same things that they used to do. And he was telling me some things about it. And it's amazing to me what people are calling church now and uh, how to, well, let's put it this way, how to build a church. I'm not talking about the building now. I'm talking about the congregation or how to get people to come to church or, or to the Lord. I want to read a little bit from Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one he feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius? And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Then go on down, please, to verse 23. Then called he them in, and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, and fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company, or come into one of another nation? But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent. I ask, therefore, for what intent you have sent for me? And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, my prayer is heard, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa, and call hither Simon, 
whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respect of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not at all to people, but unto witnesses, chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him should receive remission of sins. Now I want to take just a few minutes if I can please. What I want to bring to our attention is that many Baptist churches, now I'm not talking about all the others, I'm just talking about Baptist churches for a minute. Many Baptist churches in our community are changing to community churches rather than Baptist or Methodist and the sanctuary or meeting place is called a school auditorium or, or a movie theater or whatever. Me and my wife passed a, a church that we knew very well the other day and on their marquee out front, uh, they didn't have church services anymore. Uh, they had a meeting place. That's all they had on the marquee, a meeting place. And, and I, I read that and I said, uh, I wonder what the meeting for. You know, it was just a meeting place. One pastor said it this way about his music program. The service have plenty, our service have plenty of music, but you won't hear a mighty fortress in our God drawn in front of an organ. The songs are contemporary Christians, pop style and cymbal time, jazzed up with bass guitar, keyboard, drums, and synthesizers. And the sermons, one topic, right out of Esquire or so on, it, uh, it was like this, such as career burnout, or success in the workplace, or building relationship in a broken world. Now, they say they're not traditional at all. They say their members are turned off by boring sermons and old-fashioned hymns. They say their church members identify more with modern-day uh, talk shows on TV. These churches also build their congregations on discipleship rather than on evangelism. Now, here's what I'm saying. Since Jesus had disciples and a lot more than 12, 
since Jesus taught, taught them very clearly himself. Now, I'd like you to see today in just a few minutes, in half an hour, think about this, in half an hour after Pentecost, these disciples knew more about Jesus than they had ever known before. Now, it wasn't the years of training that made them the great Christians and soul winners that they become. It was after the power of the Holy Ghost uh, demonstrated or dominated their lives that made the difference. I was reading just uh, some things that people write, and one man gave it this, uh, uh, illustration this way. Let's suppose I had a ranch, and one time I hired a couple of fellows to help me around the place because there was much work to be done. Let's suppose at 5.30 a.m. the next morning, I heard these two outside my bedroom window singing to me, expressing their affections to me, telling me how much they appreciate the job, and this went on and on. I'd get up and say, listen, men, I hired you to work. There are fences to be mended, cattle to be rounded up, horses to be broken, hay to cut, and wood to be cut. The best way you can please me is not sit here and telling me how much you love me, but show me by doing the work that's important to me. I know by that if you love me. Amen? Now you just think about that a minute. We're living in a day that people want to talk about the love of Christ, and but when it comes to the showing that we love the, Christ, love the Lord Jesus Christ, but God said, that's how I know you really love me. The best way to love God is to do it, go about uh, the most, or be about it, the most important thing to Him. And that's winning people to Christ, boys and girls and men and women. Yesterday, I, uh, Friday, I had that funeral here, and the place was pretty good, filled up, and I can't get over yet. I've been rejoicing in the fact that many of them uh, was saved here in this church. And uh, some of them have moved off. Some was from Oklahoma, Sarasota. They've mentioned every place they had gone to, moved away, but they're still serving the Lord. Now that thrills me. Now listen, all the studying, all the learning about God, all the learning about our everyday problems and how to cope with them will not take the place of personal soul winning. All these things are good in their place and in their time, but discipleship cannot take the place of evangelism, that is, winning the lost to Christ. Listen to what Mark 1 verse 17 said, And Jesus said to them, Come ye after me, and I will make you become fishers of men. I visited a church some time ago, and uh, the, I was talking to them about the services and, and giving them preaching and giving the invitation. I suppose somebody came forward. And uh, we used to be a soul winner. That church used to be a soul winner. Go out and win people to Christ. And uh, the man told me, he said, we don't do that anymore. We invite people to come and we teach them the Word of God. And then we... The, the, uh, the, show them in the Bible how they can be saved. But the only trouble to that is that, that what they were saying is you can't rightly tell somebody 
how to be saved unless you're a seasoned Christian. Well, now, if you read the Bible, you'll find some. When somebody got saved, they immediately went out and won others to Christ. They immediately went and brought people into Christ. You don't have to know everything that's in the Bible to win somebody to Christ. That's evangelism. That's what they're talking about. Taking people and get them in study classes, going into people's homes and studying the Word of God. All that's good. But the main thing that the Lord talks about when it comes to building the congregation of the church is to win the lost to Christ. Now I want you to watch this. In Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 48, is a story of some people being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I'd like to show from these verses what it would take for the same thing to happen in this very day that we're in. I want you to watch this. It's very simple. Number one, the audience must be gathered. Do you know many time I've come in here and I stood here at this pulpit and I've looked out on these pews and the, and the seats in this place and I found some. I could preach all day to these pews. They ain't going to do a thing. Not a thing. In fact, I've stood up here and read my Bible and talked to myself about the Lord. And I could give an invitation to every pew in here. They're not going to move. They're not going to do a thing. Now, what I'm saying is, all the Bible studying, all the learning about God, all learning about everyday problems of life, that's not what God called us to do. He called us to bring people in. I want you to look in Acts chapter 10 and verse 24. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and they had called together his kinsmen and near friends. <clears throat> Cornelius called for Peter to come and tell them how to go to heaven. That was what this whole story is about. And he come down to verse 30, uh, 24, and he said that when he expected Peter to get there with the gospel or to tell them how to go to heaven, he gathered all his friends around and his relatives around because they wanted to hear the truth. I was invited by men that I led the Lord here in the church several years ago to go to Michigan. <clears throat> and he said, i got a farm up here and there's a lot of deer up here. Come up and go hunting with me. And I told my wife, I sure would like to go, but I, I can't go. In about a half hour, she had me on a plane and gone. I think she just wanted to get rid of it. But uh, I never will forget it. I got up there and they treated me like a prince. I mean, they really did. They had a beautiful room for me to stay in and everything. But we, they would take me out in the hunting in the woods and we'd come back in in the afternoon. And the mother of that whole family would have one of her children, and I'm talking about grown men now, women, with their children over for dinner. They would bring dinner. And they ever, for, I stayed there for five days. She had five sons and daughters. And every night, she'd bring one of those families and the whole family on there, and they'd have dinner for me, and it just a beautiful dinner. And we'd sit down, and she'd sit down, preacher, preach to them. Just like that. I didn't go to preach. I went there to hunt. Not really. I used any, any avenue I can, and we had the best time. And five families I got to preach to. And some of them got saved, and a lot of them got their life changed. One lady was alcoholic, and I took her all the way uh, to Detroit. 
and uh, put her in a home for alcoholics and she stayed there and got her life straightened out and I never will forget the time that we had now all of that I said for this I went there and that mother was so concerned that I was a preacher of the word of God that she gathered her family up and wanted her whole family saved and she wanted me to tell that's why you build a church that's exactly how you build a church. You get the unsaved. You get concerned about people. So number one, you got to gather the people. Number two, the gospel must be preached. Did you know we could have sat around, and which we did, we sat around and talked about hunting, what all we got done. But when it come time after dinner, and she wanted me to present the gospel, she didn't want me to just talk about how, how cold it was, and buddy, it was cold. It got down to nine degrees and never got above it. And I, I I never will forget it. But that's not what she called me there to do. She wanted me to talk to her children. And that gospel must be preached then. Notice the gospel is clearly stated. I want you to watch this in verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. But in every nation... He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And he goes on and talks about the gospel. It is, in verse 34, says that God loves everybody. Amen? God is no respecter of persons. God loves every human being. And then look at verse 38 with me. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God is with him. In other words, God sent his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. That's what we're to present. Verse 39, the Lord is, uh, said he died on the cross to atone for our sins. Verse 40, he rose again from the dead for our justification. Verse 43, salvation is by faith alone. It's believing. That's the gospel. I wonder sometimes when I talk to preachers and, and, and I go to churches uh, like I went to in Colorado and got to preach, I wonder sometimes what people are preaching and they call preaching in the church. It sure ain't the gospel. Because the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to watch this. The gospel uh, is uh, if men, women, boys, and girls are to be brought to saving knowledge of Christ, then this is the message they, they must hear. Then number three, I want you to see in verse 34, uh, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, that is the gospel, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. You know what that's saying? The Holy Ghost must be honored then. There are never any true conversions unless the Holy Spirit produces them. The only way the Holy Spirit can produce conversion is when we preach the words, the gospel. And if we are to see results, we must secure the cooperation of the Holy Spirit. And this can only be done as we honor Him. I remember years ago having a uh, pastor and he was a great pastor I mean not a pastor but evangelist and he come to town and he preached for us 
And he, he would always give invitations the same way we do. He'd, how many of y'all are saved? Will you raise your hand? And then he'd say, how many of y'all are, don't know you're going to heaven? And some would raise their hand. And he would go down to them and get them to come forward. I mean, just literally uh, talk to them and, and get them to come forward. I don't believe in that. Not one bit. I believe that's the Holy Spirit's job. Not my job. You can't drag somebody to Christ. You can't make somebody believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to see true conversions, then we're going to have to have the Holy Spirit to work. And we must pray, Holy Spirit, have your way in the service to every heart. You know what? I, I had the greatest awakening in a pastor preaching to the same people every Sunday. It's hard. Because you want something new. You want something different. You, want, you don't want to be boring. And the devil uses that sometimes. And sometimes you know you don't have nobody come forward. Most of the time you don't. Um, uh, you don't have any open results of lives being changed. But every once in a while you have one saved. You have a life changed if you preach the same thing. And I've had people come to me, Preacher, don't you know another message besides salvation? No. For this reason, you don't know who's saved and who's not. And you've got to preach the Word of God every time. Then the Holy Spirit takes that, whatever is being preached about the Lord Jesus Christ, and deals to every heart. Did you know I have I preached the same uh, salvation message, just a plain salvation message. And I've heard people come up. I've had people come up to me after service and say, "Preacher, that was right to me. I needed that today." Well, they were already saved. I don't know what was on their heart, but God does. And so I found some. If I'll stay true to preaching the Word of God, God deals to every person as He sees fit, and that's how you get real results. Is the Holy Spirit, and this is done in three ways. First, there must be a clean channel. The church. Believers must live a separated life then, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Number two, there must be an emphasis on prayer. That is private and church-wide prayer. Then thirdly, there must be a proclamation of the whole counsel of God. In other words, we must believe the Bible. We must honor the work of the Holy Spirit. And we must proclaim Jesus saves. Then the fourth thing that must take place to have real results is the Word must be received. Sure, Peter preached the Gospel, but what happened when he did so? And verse 44 says, They heard the Word. Did you know, if you ever notice, like if you have a church full of people, you ever notice sometime, well, I don't guess you would, but that's really I encourage people not to ever sit on the back row because you see everything's going on. Sit down front and you don't see everything going on. You want to have something to criticize. Look forward, listen. Now I want you to watch this. Sometimes though you have uh, a service and people is in the service and uh, they're listening and they'll go to sleep or they're just reading something and it, it, it concerns me Somebody told me in the funeral service, I got the Bible right here on my phone. I said, yeah, but when I'm preaching, I wonder, are you playing cards or listening? 
You'll get that record in. And, you know, what I'm saying is uh, the Word must be received. And you know what I've learned? Everybody's not listening. Everybody's not receiving the Word of God. But some are. And that's what you got to go by. And when you preach the Word of God, if you want to have real results, then the Holy Spirit must uh, in your, work in your heart and you receive the Word. Acts chapter 11 verse 1 says, Receive the Word of God. Acts chapter 10 verse 47 says, Receive the Holy Ghost. Now, so a man is truly converted by receiving the Word of God and then believing the Word of God and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Verse 43 makes this absolutely clear. Look at it, please, in verse 43. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believed in him should have received remission of sins. Lastly, the convert must be established. In verse 47, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which I received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tear certain days. I want you to watch something for just a minute. Two things here are very important. A true convert, their conversion was accepted. Cornelius and his friends had lost their prejudice. And so had Peter, and they all rejoiced together in what God had done. Amen? The first thing ought to be a happen in a church, you know when somebody gets saved? Or rejoice about it. Every Christian ought to say, Praise the Lord for working in people's lives. Amen? No prejudice. Everybody in the sight of God needs to be saved. Number two, their confession was witnessed. That's baptism. You know that's all baptism is for? When somebody gets saved, they ought to automatically get baptized. Why? That's a witness of what took place in your life. That's true conversion. Now, what I'm trying to say is, we go around, we look at some of these marquees, we talk to pastors, we see churches changing in every way, it seems like, and when it comes to church and you wonder how are they building the congregation what are they preaching what are they teaching folks it ain't changed it's the same with God the preaching is the same converts are the same you don't get saved but one way Jesus said I am the way amen and so you don't change for somebody. You keep on preaching the same thing and let the Holy Spirit do His work. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll bless everyone that comes now. In the next hour, would you have your way in every life. Work whatever you see fit to work in people's lives. And we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray.